recording the pod. Why does mine seem so much You're louder? Just, why are you yelling? Does it? Because you, you are speaking really loudly. Yeah. <laughs> what up, everybody? Welcome back to another special edition of the Every Adrian Brody Movie in Chronological Order podcast, aka Brodycast. I'm Spencer, and tonight we've got Brody After Dark with your boys, Adam and Greg. They're here. Say what's up. What's up? It's almost Brody after midnight. Ooh. Yeah. This is a special edition. We got some special. some late night brode. Oh, dude. It was fitting for this movie. Very fitting. Yes. Very sexual in nature. Mm. And that you know that's what this viewing experience was like for the three of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So it. this week, we got 1999's Spike Lee joint, The Summer of Sam. And boy, was it a summer of Sam, all right. Uh, it is the tale of two young men from an Italian-American neighborhood in the Bronx um, and their story of identity, search for identity and, I don't know, um, yeah, set against the backdrop of the 1977 uh, serial killings uh, in, that took place in New York City. The Summer of Sam. The, the Son of <laughs> Sam Murderers. Summer of Sam. Yeah, that's why it's called the Summer of Sam. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's it's really clever. It's well, you know, it's Spike Lee. Yeah. Do you want to get a little bit more into like, guess what was happening around that time in New York? I guess that it's like the punk movement. Yeah. Murders. I didn't want to get too in depth, but yes, that you know. So like, one of the things uh, Brody's character, whose name is Richie, um, is an Italian American that's obsessed with. Um, sort of like the British punk movement um, and has in 1977 is dressing like, you know, like a, a punk rocker, I guess would. Mm. And it kind of freaks out all of his friends from the neighborhood. Um, and the other, his sort of foil is uh, Vinny played by John Leguizamo, who is a sort of tragic, uh, <laughs> just a tragedy of a person basically. But he also is struggling with his infidelity, like his issues with infidelity, um, but also like sort of like this deep seated um, religious streak that he has kind of where he feels terrible about himself, but he doesn't necessarily know why. And it makes him kind of act out in you know, less than great ways. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Those are that's accurate. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Okay. Less than great ways. How banging other people. Oh yeah. Like right off the bat. He's just banging his wife's cousin. Yeah. Later that we learned it was it was in the butt too. Yeah. Which is important for you to know. Yes. And he wouldn't do it in the butt with his wife because he he thought God wouldn't want him to do it in the butt with his wife. Yeah. Because that's for your mistress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I guess in in his weird twisted logic. Right. But we're not here to decide whether or not the logic of the characters in this movie make any sense at all. We're here to talk about the one and only Adrian Brody. And goddamn, was this a Brody, a movie for the ages. What a, a Brode f- performance. What a performance. Brody had. banger. Whew. Oh, man. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. So we, we got a Brode code, but we also got a slightly earlier Brode chode code. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, <laughs> dude, the Brody bunch makes yeah. an appearance. <laughs> Uh, at about, let's say, 12 minutes, 41 seconds into the film, we see Agent Brody's, uh, <laughs> let's say, bulge. <laughs> as, uh, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> as he's, uh, 
He's he's in his bed. He's wearing a, a thong. Dude, he's, is he in his bed? I thought he was on the couch. I, I think he's in his bed. It doesn't he, matter where he's sleeping. <laughs> lying down. Yeah. And the camera moves, starts at his feet, you know, moves up his body. We see his his bulge, yeah. and then Ooh, we the, the female gaze. Yeah. Yeah. From from that yeah, bulge, we know it's Brody. Mm-hmm. The heterosexual <laughs> female gaze. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we see his face at twelve forty four. You know, confirmed that it's. Brody at but 1244. This, this isn't your run-of-the-mill Brody. Like, this isn't mm-hmm. just, you know, Brody with, you know, a little bit more on the top haircut type thing. This is Brody in straight 1977 punk rocker mode where he's got... I, what kind of hair would you even call well, that? He has similar to hair how he had in... Um, yeah. What was, and, that, uh, what, what was that? Uh, oh, you're bullet. right. Uh, was it Bullet? Bull, no. No, no, no. no um, it was... It was the one where he goes to strip club at the very six beginning. Ways, oh, no, six no, ways to Sunday. Six yeah, ways to Sunday. Yeah, the, yeah, one, Sunday. the one with Blondie in it. Yeah, it was yeah, six ways to Sunday. Yeah. yeah, and he has a very similar hair where it's like it's like spiky. It's just you, it, do, you put a lot of gel and you take your hair and make it into a lot of little spikes around I think your it, head. It looks like that one of those things that you would go to at like a Spencer's Gifts, you know, where you would put your hand on the little orb oh, and yeah. it would like shoot out the electricity. Like that's kind of what it's it like a porcupine. Like to me. Yeah, or like like Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, he he's got this super funky haircut. Uh, he's ripped. We've never yeah. seen Brody this That's ripped true. before. Uh, Dude, yeah, he was he, looking swole. We first see him, you know, pretty much naked. But the first time we see him in clothing, he's wearing a is it a, a Who T-shirt? The Who T-shirt. It's he's like a who poster. He's wearing like a Union yeah, Jack. Yeah, the, oh, it's the Union the, Jack. Okay, yeah. you're right. Uh, like a Union Jack shirt with the sleeves cut off, and he's you know he has these he's these got, like you know old school uh, proto Oakleys. Oh God, I forgot. And about uh, <laughs> and uh, he, and he he adapts um, a uh, British accent, which he's trying out, and everybody gives him crap for because it it's a little ridiculous. Oh yeah, it was definitely surprising for. For the three of us, when mm. he just busted out that British accent immediately, <laughs> I'm glad that it didn't continue through the whole film. Yeah, I, it, 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 it was inter- subpar. And you know, you when you meet him the first time, he doesn't have the accent, so you're already like, why is he what? now playing around? Yeah. The we we were all looking at each other, like, what is, is this Brody? Well, so he hasn't seen his friends in a long time, or I guess in quote friends, because they're not really his friends. But he he's saying and hi in to quote, everyone in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He says hi to everyone, and he's got this British accent, so they're all caught off guard. And they're like, yo, shut up. But they're actually not. surprised. You... They, they were more welcoming to him, like, being a punk than I thought they would be. Like, they, yeah. they kind of, you know, they, they razz him a little bit, but they're not like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. Well, at the beginning, that kind of takes a turn at the end. Well, they, they, it takes a turn when they realize he, he's, he's, like, involved in, like, uh, you know, gay shows. And he's, right. he's he's potentially like pleasing other men doing. Oh yeah, so out. Brody's that, that, uh, involved they, in gay shows. That's yeah, a, that's a big plot point. Yeah, he he dances, he strips for other men, and then he sleeps with them after the show. Yeah, for a little extra money, for, for yeah. some cash, mm-hmm. walking around money. Yeah, which is you know pretty pretty raunchy. And they, I guess. And yeah. They, did you say this sort of Spencer that they think he is the? No, I didn't say. Oh, that. so part of the end of the film is. They think that, or the the other guys around town that Brody grew up with end up thinking that he's the serial killer for a bunch of really circumstantial reasons, which obviously don't make sense. There's just kind of a sense right. of McCarthyism. There's increasing a, paranoia. A witch hunt, you know, yeah, hysteria. In, exactly. Uh, yeah. So they they go and and they all beat him up, uh, just you know, hours after 
at least in the movie, hours after um, the actual guy was arrested for being the serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the whole, the whole like, atmosphere of the movie, and I guess the atmosphere of New York City summer of 1977 is that tensions are super high. It's, like, the hottest summer on record. Uh, there's this guy, you know, killing women, and they can't find him. And then there's the blackout, which they briefly touch upon in the movie, mm-hmm. where people just go haywire and start looting. And just things are, like, the anxiety is, is at its highest. And that's kind of why people are, are on edge, and the mafia is kind of... I guess it's the mafia. It's like continuated, it's like a mob implied. boss, like some yeah. Italian American mob boss, essentially puts like a fifteen thousand dollar hit out. Um, yeah. This so it people like you said before McCarthyism, people just think like their neighbors are are the serial killer and right. And what basically happens is the the guys that um, had been ragging on on Brody earlier sort of form their own vigilante group. And and go down and you know in an attempt to corner Brody and get him to answer some of mm-hmm. their questions like where was he on the night of you know these people being gone and all that sort of stuff and then yeah. they ended up just like beating the crap out of him yeah, yeah. poor Brody yeah he got he got kind of screwed yeah well so let's move on to uh, the movie itself whether we liked it yeah. or not. I mean, I, I thought the movie was was interesting. It, it ran a little long. The movie was mm. over two hours twenty minutes. Yep. I think um, it doesn't help that we're doing a late night edition, right? Um, but it, the movie ran a little long. I think some of the editing choices were super good. I think some of the camera movement was interesting, which is can be expected of a Spike Lee film. I, I did keep coming back to thinking about Dog Day Afternoon because they're both mm. set in New York in the seventies. I just looked it up. Dog Day Afternoon came out in seventy five. And was is set in seventy two, oh. um, but it's in the dog days of summer, and you know it's about two guys in Brooklyn. I think these guys are from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Is that right. Yeah, yeah. So they, but but just kind of the sense of it being New York, and there's a, a you know cultural clash, and and people who are from working class neighborhoods trying to like you know figure themselves out and just make money and make ends meet. Um, I, I, dog Day Afternoon was a little bit less like force it down your throat it, it, it was a little bit more nuanced i think al pacino had a good performance in that movie going back to this movie <laughs> <laughs> i just think it, it, it there are a lot of parts there's a lot of just like you know uh, like just sexual scenes and things that just don't really seem to have a purpose except to just show that i guess maybe new york in the late 70s is about excess but it it a lot of it just felt like it was unnecessary and didn't add to the overall movie. And just what it added to was the running time. Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement. I think, especially with respect to the editing and some of the cinematography, like the choices with which he uses the the camera to tell the type of story. But I do feel like it probably was 15 to 20 minutes too long. And I think that he tried to cram too many things, like too many themes into one one movie and instead of getting like you got like one and a half like i felt like some of the like religious themes were maybe a little bit underexplored and 
but it felt like mm. when they were in there, it's kind of like, oh, this is interesting, but then why is it here? Because we're not really developing it. Yeah. And, you know, they could have just used, like, the racial tension, the, you know, the sort of uh, homophobic tension, that sort mm. of stuff. Like, that served for, like, a volatile already movie. They didn't need the, I, I don't know. It just felt like yeah. he tried to do too many things at once and didn't succeed on all of them. And, and they yep. keep they keep cutting to the, the, ser- the, the eventual serial killer and, like, him in his apartment and kind of freaking out. I, I, I didn't think that added to anything at all. Like, I think they did also have the scenes where he's going up to people and shooting them. And that's fine because you're not getting a sense of him at <laughs> yeah. all. And, like, you know, there was just, like, good blood pack splatter. <laughs> that was pretty yeah, impressive. Was, yeah. but, but you didn't learn anything from being in his apartment and, like, seeing the right literally the writings on the wall and, like, a dog talking to him. Yeah. I think if if the serial killings were just the background and that was kind of the thing that was holding the movie together from the beginning of his first murder, you know, or ish to the end of it like that, that carries the movie through without being, you know, a, a direct plot that you have to get scene after scene out of. Right. Cause uh, it wasn't yeah. about him. It wasn't about the serial killer. It no. was about the, you know, paranoia he created and the, mm-hmm. the atmosphere right. he mean, created. You don't like actually get any tangible payoff yeah. from the, from the serial killer plotline until no. literally the last scene. It's yep. almost better if he's just entirely faceless. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, then then you can put in your head of, oh, what does he look like, Brody? Like, does he look like these other people? Sure. Right. Yeah. No. Because and I, you know, like I understand to an extent, like the the purpose of it as far as like a structural component, where you're kind of using it to dole out individual, you know, sequences from each plot mm-hmm. and separated by this like killer sort of thread. But at the same time, like like Greg said, most of them where he's like, you know, he uses like these little like blocks with letters on them to spell out words and yeah. shit. And it's like, why is this yeah, here? It, was... it doesn't do anything. I yeah. mean, we get just as much from him going out and just shooting random extras. You know, it's it's just as yeah. meaningless. I mean, OK, so it, it certainly had its flaws, but I thought I, I was entertained. It was certainly a bit too long. Yeah. No, I but thought, I was I was entertained. I thought the editing was cool. I, I especially like the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack was really well done. Yeah, that was Too I mean and the, songs. and the performances were pretty good, leading to <laughs> hey, Brody's nice. performance. Wow, what a great segue. What a great segue, wow. I know. Not forced at all. Nope. Uh, and yeah, Brody killed it. I yeah. Brody I, was the highlight of this movie for sure. For sure, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I thought John Leguizamo. Leguizamo, yeah. Yeah, he was he was pretty good as well. He was very good. He was, he, he, you know, he did. And he really was certainly the job. the lead versus Brody. Although Brody was, you know, definitely mm-hmm. a close second. Well, I I think what made Brody's performance feel so good to me, anyway, is that like he really had a lot to unpack mm-hmm. with this character. Like this character, he was like a compl- complicated guy. Oh yeah. And I think that that allowed him to, you know, bring a little bit more to the table, like be a little bit more creative because there's just so much that he has to do with that character to make him seem believable that like he was able to kind of, you know, stretch his wings a little bit mm-hmm. to yeah. make him seem believable and for you to to empathize with him at yeah. the end. And he's he's a very complicated character because he's. Part of the reasons why one of the reasons why they think he's the serial killer at the end is he's like he's hiding things from his friends because he's hiding, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know if he's if he's, uh, you know, homosexual or heterosexual or bisexual. You don't really know. He is 
he is, you know, selling his body to make some money mm-hmm. to men, and that you're aware of. But you know, is it is it because he's uncomfortable expressing that? You know, is he is he hiding it because he's he doesn't know about his own sexuality? I think that those things you you see that in his character and in his body language that he's uncomfortable in his own body, which is also expressed with him being a punk and like. I think him trying to find a form of expression to say like I I this I feel the way I feel regardless of what everybody else thinks but in the inside he is struggling with his own feelings and his own emotions. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. There's like a weird irony there where like he's so he's so like expressive outwardly with in, in mm-hmm. his manner of dress and, you know, sort of overall appearance, I suppose, mm-hmm. but at the same time is like completely repressed in his ability to i don't know well which which can be in his his like outward expression as a punk can be compared to like you know the is it machismo machismo or like male bravado of the other oh yeah the guys from the neighborhood they're like four like super stereotypically italian guys who yeah are like really not good characters or (laughs) especially great actors they 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 have one layer yeah, and that, they, they play that they layer funny. real yeah, hard. They were funny at that layer. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional though. The, it, it, the humor, I think it was. I, think I mean, it was I think too. I think it's I like so. that's like a Spike Lee kind of like you know just getting really into like like a race or like you know a, a type of people to bring them to you know the, this is exactly this is what they are right and like the, however you feel about that that's what me what's what means you feel about it. Um yeah, that's I was going anywhere else with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a bit worried at the beginning when we saw that hairstyle on Brody oh, because I was, thumb. you know, I had flashbacks to uh, five, no, six, less, ways, to Sunday. six ways to Sunday. Yeah, you know, last she time played, I committed yeah, Sunday, it was you played like a super silly character, but you know that was not the case at all. No, he was this very complex. He he knocked it out of the park on this one. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm super impressed. I mean, he not only with the like actual performance of the character, but with, you know, his physical, the work that he put in as well, like the prep Mm. work, like he, he's very, he seems muscular. He's willing to sacrifice his, the beautiful hair for, for whatever that blonde Mohawk was Mm. at the end. Like, good God. And he got, he got punched in the face in that last fight. According to Wikipedia, he broke his nose Mm. on set for real sacrifice. I mean, this is the great sacrifice. This is, this is maybe the one role where, I, if we hadn't already been watching every Agent Brody movie, where I, I may have been like, is that really Agent Brody? Like, is he doing a role like this? Mm-hmm. I may I may have questioned that. Like, I mean, he's got, I, he's still, you know, his face is always the same. He's still <laughs> Adrian Brody. He's not, it's not, it's not face off. He's still Adrian. But I, I don't, I feel this, this role is the most distinct, I feel like, of any role we've seen him I, do. I, yeah, yeah I I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. Yep. And I, I can I definitely, it. I can definitely see where somebody from, you know, that Schindler's List team, or what, pianist, the pianist, whatever the fuck, Schindler's List. What am I talking about? <laughs> they're two different, to, co- two, two different, different uh, World War Two movies. <laughs> I could definitely see somebody. Wow, that was like a complete brain fart. Complete brain fart. That's okay. I was like, oh yeah, Adrian Brody, Schindler's List, <laughs> duh. No, the penis. I could definitely see how someone could see this movie and be like, damn, like Adrian Brody's like, this guy's legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting this one as a clear 
oh. winner. Clear first place on my list. Wow. wow. Yeah. Oh, I haven't even thought about that yet. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm thinking sorry. about it now, and I'm going to do yeah. the same thing. Wait, wait, wait. Let's go back. Okay. Let's get through. How okay. many wait, How many things do we have? Oh, well, we, we got to talk about it, the line of the week. You know, oh, they, were, they were okay. Quite a few good ones, I felt like. I got, yeah. a, I got a couple. Yeah. Go Should for I go? it. Okay. Yeah. Um, he says... <laughs> Adrian, oh, so the the woman who he ends up dating for a while asks him if he's ever been to London when he has the accent, he's wearing the Union Jack, and oh, he says yeah. no, but it's only attitude. That was a good one. He that says one. to John Leguizamo, he says evil spelled backwards is live. I have that one yeah. too. <laughs> he says um, he there are two guys trying to get him kicked out of the diner, uh, and he's getting defensive of himself, obviously, and. They the two guys get up to fight Brody and John Leguizamo, and Brody smashes a bottle against his head, uh, and yeah, bleeds, yeah. and then tastes it and says, "Tastes better than Heinz ketchup." <laughs> yeah, that last one was that pretty was fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. I had I had those, and then I also um, had, and this was just more as a joke than anything. But I thought it was really funny, just because the way that he was saying it in the car, I felt like mm, he oh, was yeah. really. Like he was enjoying himself, like when they were filming the scene where John Leguizamo is telling Brody about his sort of like sexual ineptitude with his wife and how he mm-hmm. can't bring sort of his his special flavor to their to their lovemaking. And Brody's like, "Oh well, you know, you gotta just you gotta ask her." Like he's he's pretending in this like whiny voice, like, "Oh, let me put it up your ass, let me put it up your ass." <laughs> and he's making this face, and it's. That it's, was, you that can was just one of mine too. Definitely that tell was, that he's that having a great time, funny. like mm-hmm. riffing on this sort of bizarre concept. Yeah, which was a great scene because it really yeah. that really established their relationship. Yeah. Oh too. yeah, right away. And it, like that was, I th- I did think that was really interesting. That was one of the things I was thinking about. It's like, man, these guys really are close. Like this thing just happened to this guy, and they immediately go somewhere where they can be alone from everyone yeah. else and talk about it like man to man. Right. And that was that was a really great, really great scene for the characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two more. Well, one isn't b- from Brody, but it's about him. Uh, uh, so so the, the first one huh? is when he walks in on his parents. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, about to bang? mid in, in the process. His mother has her yeah. breasts out. Yes. <laughs> they are yes, They we, are out. They are out. And he walks in, and with the look of, like, pure disgust on his face, he just, like, yells, oh, my God. Yeah. And I just, I just loved that little bit. It was, it was hilarious. It was definitely uh, it was, the right reaction. Yeah, that was real. Yeah. And then there's a line from uh, Michael Imperioli, who plays the, the owner of the, like the strip club that Brody strips at, or the, like the theater that Brody strips at. Yeah. And I he don't goes. Know what you call that type of establishment? Yeah. <laughs> it was called like Male Pleasure or something, or mm. the, the Male Show. Or oh, Male Market or something. Yeah. I, I, don't I don't know. And he's he's in the back with uh, Brody's girl, and he's talking about Brody who's on stage. And it first of all, it came as quite a shock when Brody just starts stripping on stage. Like there was no indication that he frequents these these mm. theaters or anything. I mean, you could see the sign before he goes in, but it still but wasn't super you, you, clear. With no yeah. context, you had no idea. And so, uh. He goes, talking about Brody, he's got a pretty cock. Nice size. You're a lucky girl. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. It was Good pick, like, Goldberg. Yeah. yeah, I love talking about Brody's cock. Good job. Second, you know, her second time this talking Brody about bunch. it. Yeah, the Brody Bunch. <laughs> the Brody Bunch. The Brody Bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any other lines? 
Nope. No, no, we're good. No, all I think right, we covered all of them. Now let's go to this this list. Okay, dude. I, you know, you know my opinion. I'm inclined to agree with you though. Like, I gotta. I think this has to be number one. Yeah. Like, oh, it's certainly the most complex performance that complex had. performance. He gave a very wide ranging. I felt like he, you know, he definitely went from humor to seriousness, and I would say like physically and emotionally. Yeah, it was it was quite the performance. It was his best one yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. let me guess. Said it better than I ever could. Greg's gonna pick "Boy You Cried Bitch" as number one. <laughs> no, I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm gonna put "Summer of Sam" as number one also. Nice. Uh, number two, I'm going "Restaurant." Number three, I'm going uh, "Last Time I Committed Suicide." Okay, I'm going uh, "Summer of Sam" number one. I think "Restaurant" number. I did we put "Liberty Heights" in the top? I think we did. Yeah. I, I was just looking at it, and I can't remember. A oh, single we did. Thing about we that did movie. put Liberty Heights. We had that as number one last time. I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna put Liberty Heights number two, Oxygen number three. There we go. One, two, three. Last three movies we watched. I'm doing. That says a lot about Brody. Wow. I'm doing Summer of Sam number one, Oxygen number two, and um, Liberty Heights is three. Nice. See, I mean, the fact that these past three movies have been his best. Really says a lot about his career. Do you think it has anything to do, do with like his increased role in in these three films as well? I mean, he has had yes. in the last three. He's had more to work with. Yes, which and definitely helps. He's had more to work with. He's had varied roles. Um, I think he's able to choose more of the roles he wants because he's been in the business a fair amount. We do think he might have gotten a new agent or a new <laughs> manager. It's definitely possible. Um, but I do want to say, last week. I still feel confident about it that the ninety-eight and ninety-nine is Brody's two year. This is the that's true, yeah. This is two year. I will. This was his last ninety-nine movie. Yep. Starting with Thin Red Line, going through Summer of Sam. I mean, Man, so far, yeah. That's a pretty, so far, that's the truth. That's but a pretty we, sweet run. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is. I feel like we've just watching Brody be better on screen has in, increased our morale. Dude, yes. I go to work every morning, and I'm just like. At least I saw that Brody movie because <laughs> I don't know how the fuck I would do this. I mean, I, I will say I was very upset after the Undertaker's wedding. You know, that's dude. A, that was probably the lowest point think, of yeah. this. And well, then we jumped to the thin the, red line. I, actually, I disagree with my previous statement. Natural Born Killers will always be the lowest point mm, yeah. of this entire venture. That's true. Uh, the Undertaker's <laughs> wedding was worse, man. Really? It was shorter. I don't, <laughs> it was more difficult to sit through Natural Born Killers than I, yeah. Undertaker's Wedding. And especially in retrospect, knowing that he's not even in the fucking movie. Yeah. It makes it so much worse that we sat through that. Ah, the garbage film. God, it was so stupid. <laughs> all right, all right. En- enough on that. Enough I, on that. I just hate do, that fucking movie. Do we have a, a scene this week that, that takes the cake? Yeah, my, that beats the football scene? No, nothing beats the football <laughs> scene. But the, the closest was the, the oh my God scene when he walks in. On yeah. His yeah. And it wasn't even, it, it, was, it, it wasn't the most varied scene. It was the most emotional scene. But it was the most realistic. Like the, his reaction to seeing his mom get like about to get it on with his father-in-law was like, it, it, was, it was tragic and funny. And I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I was just like, that's classic Brody. He was just like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> But it was like it was legit. I, was, I mean, not to mention in that scene impressed. we get his father or his stepfather trying to kick him out or like make a move to the basement. Like immediately after that, he walks in and he's all disgusted. And the father's like, "Hey, like sits him down and says, hey, we want you to move to the basement Grush. or to the garage.' Yes. 
And then he gets all upset. And he's like, you can't do it. And we get quite a bit of good acting. And then he like pleads to his mom. And that that scene was real. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. That's I, one, of, my one of the better ones. that I'm picking this week is also one that I felt like was very grounded in realism, which is maybe counter to our previous pick of the football scene, which is <laughs> just all sorts of bizarre. <laughs> but this, I, I thought that his... Um, Second to last, like the, his penultimate conversation with John Leguizamo outside of CBGB or whatever, mm, yeah. where it's a good one. Where Leguizamo basically like catches him outside prior to what would have been a beating from the other boys from the neighborhood, and they have like a very frank and honest discussion about their relationship and you know kind of what's been going on in their lives. And I, I thought I just thought that. And from both actors, from Leguizamo and Brody, both. It felt like they really did have strong chemistry together. They did. And they, yeah, they had a couple of good scenes together. It felt yeah. really real how they were speaking to each other. And I, you know, it was, it felt like a. They're speaking to each other as, you know, as childhood friends who kind of grew out of touch a little bit. You know, they both yeah. went into different things, but they still have that mutual respect for each it other. Felt, it felt very genuine. Yeah. And I thought. Absolutely. I thought it was really well done, both with like Spike Lee really felt like he took a step back because like this movie is very directed i felt like but mm-hmm. in that scene he kind of just let the two actors do their thing and that was really it was a really nice change of pace i suppose from some of the other more ostentatious parts of the movie yeah <laughs> yeah i definitely agree i concur yep uh greg you want to lead us into a quote sure um the one thing i'll say is i came across this list that is the uh, the best 70s hair in film <laughs> of all time. Oh. oh. And Brody's got Brody's in there. Yes. Really? Adrian Brody and Summer of Sam with a nice photo of him next to the dead end sign, which is one of the main places where Brody and the other uh, you know, lackeys kind of hang lackeys. around. What's uh, what's the haircut? Is it the the way? Let me it's guess. Spikes. Oh. Sorry. That, that was guess? what I was going to guess. So. <laughs> the one of two. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. It, it this so Adrian's mentioned just prior to James DeBello in Detroit Rock City, neither of which are things I've ever heard of before. <laughs> but okay, so that that's one. Uh, second thing is a review in Entertainment Weekly, um, posted on July second, nineteen ninety nine, at four a.m. et. Oh. Um, Breaking news. Yeah. I didn't know you could set things to <laughs> post automatically in 1999. Um, so this person was not a really big fan of the movie. Uh, and even refers to... So Mira Sorvino, who plays the love interest of John Leguizamo, mm. says, in referring to her dancing, says, with trademark Sorvino self-consciousness, which I think is offensive. It's saying like she can't act, but whatever. That's mm. besides the point. So... Brody was the one thing that this person seemed to enjoy about the movie. Hey. Oh, good. It says, out of this uh, morass, M-O-R-A-S-S, out of this morass, one actor etches a character of lingering effect as a paison of Vinny's, as a paison of Vinny's, whose passionate con- conversion to the punk lifestyle alienates his former street corner pals to the point of violent fury. Adrian Brody emerges as the co-star whose star qualities we didn't have enough time to appreciate in the thin red line. We learn nothing from Summer of Sam, except, thanks to Brody, that punks are people too. 
<laughs> so Brody gets he gets the only credit for this movie. This person didn't like any of the other acting, um, but Brody gets credit, and there's they're said they're noticing like Brody had potential and Thin Red Line wasn't given the chance. He's still showing it today, uh, a year later. I like the yeah. recognition of his exclusion from the Thin Red Line. Yeah, I'd like to give credit to the author, but it just says EW staff. So, uh, mm. this is just the whole staff. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, good, good quotes. I like the that he made a the hairstyle list. Me too. Who's number very, one on the hairstylist? It's not. It's just a list of haircuts. It's not a. <laughs> it's not ranked. All right. Yeah, it's to, not ranked. We gotta discard it. It's uh, not ranked. There are thirty nine <laughs> of them. Is John Travolta in there somewhere? I'm sure, right? Um, what's that movie? Saturday oh Night God. Fever or something like that. They have yeah. Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence in American Hustle. Oh. Bradley Cooper and Christian Bale in American Hustle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a bunch of crap. All right, bunch. Who of else crap. is in American Hustle? I don't think there's anybody left. Um, I think we, I don't know if we actually discussed this today, that Brody was not just in the punk scene. He was in a punk band. Oh, yes. That's true. He plays guitar and he sang at one point. Yeah, there's like a music video. Yeah. it was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it was just a really funny sequence. He's singing and the way it's shot is like a music video. So it's like kind of tilting around his head. Are you talking about the like the teenage wasteland montage, or are you no, talking no, about when he's the actually one in singing. the in the punk uh, like venue in the venue okay. when he's singing? Okay. His his girl, who I'm forgetting the name of, is the lead singer of their punk band, but Brody is singing as well. Yeah, he sings terribly. She she sounds pretty good, and then he cuts in. The cracks. In. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets like really deep. He does not sound great. He. he I do like, we all know Brody is a huge hip-hop fan. I like seeing him, you know, express general interest in punk music and rock music outside of his general hip-hop love. He, he's he's a lover of music. He's a lover of art. Yeah. He's a lover of music. Agreed. Oh, Brody's band is called Late Term Abortion. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things about this movie. <laughs> I forgot about that. that What's was more punk than Late Term Abortion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Uh I know we're, we're getting pretty sleepy. We can start wrapping things up. Uh, I want to talk about next week's movie, oh, which is week? Bread and Roses. What? Yeah. <laughs> huh? It's 110 minutes long. Brody. Hey, it's under two hours. It's under two Brody's hours. got second billing. Okay, who's number one? Pilar Pad- Padilla. She's Mexican. Pilar Padilla. And she's only known for her role in Bread and Roses. Oh, oh wow. So, hmm. interesting. She fell off the grid. Yeah. I guess so. So, um, looking forward to that one. We'll be recording a new equipment. Yeah. On new equipment. We got to figure that out. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if if there's a delay in podcasts, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll all just speak through one mic. <laughs> it could it could work. It'll make <laughs> it easier to edit. <laughs> yeah. Well. We'll hope. save so much in server space. <laughs> right. Pay attention to... Uh, the quality of our of our voices next week. Yeah. I'll sound even more rich and luscious. Yeah. Or don't <laughs> if we sound worse. <laughs> don't pay attention. <laughs> uh well, thanks again for, for listening to uh the late night Brody edition. Brode after dark. Midnight of Brody. <laughs> Any other Keep names? Going. Or no. Bet. <laughs>
Revenge of the late night Brod. <laughs> Brody 2.0. Late night retribution. <laughs> Dark edition. Dark Brody. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm sleepy. Full moon. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully we'd never record this late again. <laughs> Although, you know what? It was kind of fun. Yeah, it was a good time. So hopefully we do. Well, let's not plan on it, but yeah. The late night, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Support your local library. Support your local library. Uh, go watch Summer of Sam. Dee's flick. This is a good Definitely time. Definitely watch it for Broad. Stay for the... This summer. <laughs> the unnecessary this summer sexual scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Sleep tight. I want to play. Bye.